Kevin Brinegar's desire to succeed took hold as a youngster in Bloomington while playing sports. Did it ever. Kevin Brinegar parlayed his competitiveness and passion as a Hoosier athlete into a 30-year career, growing and leading the second largest state chamber in the country. The state moved forward significantly and the Indiana Chamber of Commerce was directly involved in all of that. Retiring Indiana Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Kevin Brinegar, why he changed his mind about becoming an Indiana State Trooper, his take on the state's biggest economic challenges, and what's next in his world. My guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. There are machines of all ages and makes in use today. You may see or use some of these, but regardless of the machine, their basic duplicating principle is the same. It was that round mimeograph with the pink or, or purple ink that uh, if you stood around the machine, you kind of got a buzz going <laughs> on from the, from the smell. That's how business was done back in the day, the early 80s, when Kevin Brinegar started his journey in pushing Indiana's economy forward. Mimeograph machines, deals done in smoke-filled rooms. Today, a much different way of doing business. Technology and transparency trumping those days. Kevin Brenniger, a key driver behind Indiana's economic growth over three decades. And I am pleased to be joined on the podcast uh, this week by Kevin Brenniger, the longtime CEO, the uh, the outgoing now CEO at the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Kevin, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm fantastic, Gary, and thanks for having me on your program. You, you bet. We've had uh, a long uh, and very fruitful, productive relationship since you uh, started Inside Indiana Business. That's and exactly right, 25 years ago. And uh, and you have led the chamber, led the chamber for 20 years, but you've been with the chamber for 30 years, nearly 30 years, right? Uh, it'll be 31 years, and I've been CEO for 21. Yeah, Lots we can talk about there and kind of un, uh, unpack, but as you as you look at uh, at change over the years, certainly change uh, at the at the Indiana Indiana Chamber of Commerce, change at the State House. You know, you you, you uh, the chamber obviously very intimately involved in in uh, legislation and you know work at the State House uh, very very uh, significantly. How, how have things changed? Just the way business is done, if you will, at at the State House. Well, I would add that I, I had 12 years as a legislative staff before I came mm. to the chamber. And I think what's the big change has been technology and transparency. Because back in the 90s when I was on, or 80s when I was on staff, and the 90s uh, when I first came to the chamber, you didn't have the technology that you have today. Uh, committee hearings weren't broadcast. Floor action was not broadcast to where you know people could, could watch it on the internet conference committees where they work out the differences between the House and Senate version of a bill. Now they have to be posted at least a couple hours in advance. The meetings have to take place in committee rooms inside the state house and they're broadcast. Uh, in the old days, a conference committee might take place in a hotel room or in a, a, the bar over at the Columbia Club or whatever, and you had to be connected to one of the four conferees to even know where the meeting was being held and, and what was yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm envisioning Kevin. I'm envisioning smoke-filled rooms. Yes, that, uh, was that was that what it was like back then? It was the classic smoke-filled room. By very early days, and even I'm told before I started at the Legislative Services Agency in 1981, they didn't print their own bills. They, they got shipped out to a company called Central Publishing that's over was over in Lockerbie, and you would show up to a committee hearing, and the only person in the room that had a copy of the bill that was being discussed and about to be voted on was not the author of the bill, but the committee chairman. So the author of the bill didn't even have a copy of, of his own bill. And when they were making copies at LSA, it was that round mimeograph with the pink or, or purple ink that uh, if you stood around the machine, you kind of got a buzz going <laughs> on from the, from the smell. And one of the things I tell folks is, when I was staffing the Senate Finance Committee, the very first budget that I worked on was produced on a Wang word processor. Wow. Now, Wang's obviously not even in business, but this thing had no computational power and uh, everything had to be done on adding machines. And if you look over my shoulder, you see the adding machine that I did the first Senate budget on. Oh, uh, there it is. Yeah. Wow. It to me when I left the uh, the Senate and came to the chamber and I've, I've kept it and then I use it to run tapes and things <laughs> uh, every now and then uh, myself, but it's kind of a memento of the old days when uh, technology yeah. was not what it was. And I think the next budget we did on Lotus spreadsheets, and of course, Lotus has been overtaken by Excel. And then the transparency to the public of broadcasting floor actions and committee meetings, et cetera. I, I think those are the the big changes. I mean, yeah. and, and over in the House, not so much in the Senate where I worked, you'd have members voting for each other, you know, like, hey, I'm going to go play golf and just, you just vote me green or vote me red every time or vote me the way you're going to vote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you go to committee hearings and, you know, only a couple of the committee members would be there, but the, the chairman would pull out of his pocket, oh, I've got five proxies. Uh, of committee members, and and I'm going to vote for them. Ah. Uh, all that's gone. You have to be present yourself. You have to vote for yourself, as as it should be. Yeah, as you think back uh, uh, over your time at the state house, uh, been involved with so many uh, pieces of legislation. Was there one bill or or one issue that sticks out as the toughest, the most difficult, challenging over those uh, over your career? Well, there are several um, personal favorite bill that was extremely tough and and actually cost the legislator his seat uh, for voting for it was daylight savings. Oh, yeah, right. That was, you know, a narrow vote. There was a representative who was on the in northeast Indiana, right on the Ohio border, who should have favored daylight savings time because it would put the people that were going back and forth across the border every day to work on the, you know, on the same time zone, but um, for, he had promised somebody he wasn't going to vote for it. And so there was someone in Southwest Indiana where there was less support for it. And he had, he had promised his constituents he wasn't going to vote for it, but he cast his vote. And then, and then the next time around lost his election. And that feel bad when someone's uh, voting with you uh, or your organization and, you know, it costs them their seat. And that's, it's pretty rare, but it stood out in, in that situation. Right to work was another yeah. major accomplishment, both for 
private sector workers in 2012, but going back to 1995, passing right to work for teachers. And it really, frankly, has, has diminished their uh, power and influence in the state house because they don't just have money flowing in automatically. They have to go you know, sell their memberships just like we do. You know, another issue, certainly, that was contentious. I'd be interested in your remembrance of that time, but was Governor Pence's Religious Freedom Restoration yes. Act, RIFRA. How, how you know, because there have been a lot said about it, you know, at the time, and certainly CEOs came together, the chamber came together uh, in opposition to that. Uh, there's a lot of talk about technology companies, other businesses that would 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 boycott or leave the state. How serious was that time, that that period for that with that issue? It was a very intense period of time. We had testified and were frankly one of the only organizations that testified against the bill as it moved through the legislative process. But I think what really triggered the negative reaction was the photo op that Governor Pence took with various religious leaders uh, and far-right folks, if you want to describe them that way, in his office that that got out and got uh, into the media right afterwards. And, you know, there was an immediate backlash. And I remember being uh, the day after, I believe it was, the bill was signed in a meeting with several of our CEOs, representatives from the city, mm-hmm. the NCAA, in the governor's office that Friday afternoon, and then talking to what was then Speaker Bosma and Pre- President Pro Tem David Long for m- many minutes, if not hours, over that weekend uh, to begin crafting what became known as the RIFRA fix and building the uh, relationships. And we had a number of our, our CEOs weigh in and we're marching into both the speaker's office and pro tem and and the governor's office but it was a very intense time and i was pleased that we were collectively able to turn that around in in literally a a week's time the governor took some real hits as a result of that i think his appearance on the the sunday morning talk show uh, and and not kind of refusing to answer the question that was asked of him uh, was very damaging. Uh, certainly the chamber involved in so many, so many issues. And for so long, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce has been regarded and, and, and rated, if you will, as one of the top chambers in the, uh, in the country. In fact, you were just named the top chamber, right? In, in the United uh, States, first time ever uh, for that, for that. Uh, that's, that's quite an honor. And, and I think from, from your standpoint, I know is you're you're leaving that role probably a nice award as you as you leave the office. I, I've referred to it uh, in, in game show terminology. I've said it's it's a really nice parting gift. <laughs> and right. I am. Uh, our our staff is so jazzed about it, and uh, I'm I'm so pleased for them and proud of them. You know, we are the second largest state chamber in the country. We're not by by any means the second largest state. We have been able to punch above our weight class for a number of years, thanks to the great people that I have on our team. Uh, Over half of our staff have been with the chamber for more than 10 years. I've got two employees that next year will celebrate their 40th anniversary with the chamber. Our senior leadership team is all north of 20 years, and they believe in our mission. 
you know, and carry it out with gusto. And, and uh, we're able, we have strong support from the business community because that, that second ranking is, you know, is based on yeah. revenue membership yeah. size. You know, Kevin, as you look at um, issues facing Indiana, the, many of the issues that the chamber has been on, on top of talent, workforce, education, I know health, is a, is a big issue. You've supported, uh, so far at least, without success, the cigarette tax, right? And uh, It's coming. But. Yeah. Well, well, talk about, in your view, as you look going forward, if you could name the top issue in your view, or maybe the top two issues, if you will, facing the state of Indiana that really needs to get solved. We have made tremendous progress, as you know, and as you documented over the 25 years of Inside Indiana Business, we have worked to transform, and the chamber's been the tip of the spear frequently, Indiana's business climate from one of the poorest in the country, bottom 10, bottom five, to one of the very best, and one of the best business tax, regulatory, and and overall business climate in the country. And those things are still important when it comes to site selections, decisions, and expansion decisions. And, you know, we've got great folks at the IADC who sell the sandbox that, that the chamber and, and our um, government leaders have helped create. But uh, the area that we remain deficient in is the um, attainment of post-secondary degrees and credentials of our adult workforce. We've made great progress uh, since our Vision 2025 plan was released in 2012. We've gone from 33% of our adult workforce having a degree or credential to now a tick over 50%. Uh, and that's good progress towards the big goal that we and, and others uh, have adopted of 60% by 2025, but we still rank 37th. And so we're behind in that area. And what we're hearing is that while the tax climate, the regulatory climate, et cetera. Those things are still important. They're not as important as they were 20 years ago. It's it's a talent-driven economy. And as I've said, we're a lap or two behind. We published a white paper last year called Indiana's Leaking Talent Pipeline that showed all the places where we leak out talent that could be enhanced. Things like you know our graduation rate, our iLearn and i. Uh, read scores, our, uh, the fact that our college going rate among our, our uh, college high school graduates has dropped from 65% to now less than 50% in just six years. We follow in that paper different cohorts of students and uh, see that uh, you take a group of high school freshmen and follow them through and only 23% of them graduate uh, from college with a four-year degree and only 10% of our black and brown students. So that's the area where uh, we need to stay laser focused. And we're pleased that that paper helped drive action by the General Assembly this past session. We're now going to automatically enroll the 21st century scholars, and, and those numbers have gone way up. We're going to create an expectation with an opt-out that all families fill out the FAFSA form, the federal application for free student aid, and because we have one of the lowest FAFSA filing rates in the country and the lowest in the Midwest, and states that have passed this legislation uh, have seen their rates go up to top five, top 10 in the country. Families need to know what they're eligible for so that they can make informed decisions. So it's, it's workforce and lifting up the skills 
of our adult workforce so that we can compete in a 21st century knowledge-driven economy. Your successor uh, has been named Vanessa Green Cinders, who uh, will take over. I think she's coming on board a little transition in October, then takes over full-time in early January. She's got a mix of experience from the corporate mm-hmm. world, nonprofit world. First woman to lead the chamber as well. Give us a give us a thumbnail description of uh, Vanessa Green Senders. Well, I've met with her twice. I'm going to have lunch with her today and uh, I'm visiting in uh, on Saturday. Very energetic, very personable, quick study, um, knowledgeable. Obviously, she's got a lot of people to meet and, and and with respect to legislators, governor's office, business community, et cetera, uh, having um, you know lived here for a short period of time, but her husband has roots here and she'll hit the ground running. Um, she connects very well with people. I think you'll find that to be the case. And I know you either have or will very soon uh, spend some time with her and, and you'll pick up on that right away. Much more with uh, outgoing Indiana Chamber of Commerce CEO Kevin Brenniger. When we return, we'll talk about uh, growing up in uh, in Bloomington and a lot more when the Business and Beyond podcast continues. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group, Bank. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is Kevin Brenniger, the longtime CEO of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, now the outgoing CEO, will be leaving that role early next year. And uh, Kevin, uh, you've been a fixture, obviously, at the Chamber. You're a native Hoosier and an IU guy. You're Bloomington. You're, you're IU through and through. You grew up in Bloomington, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. My um Mother and stepfather worked for the university for many years. Um, they still maintain their uh, football and basketball season tickets. And last year was the 60th consecutive year that they've had football and basketball tickets. Holy cow. That's some loyalty uh, to be sure. So high school, uh, Bloomington North, the mm-hmm. Cougars, right? Yes, the Cougars. Cougars. And, oh, so I went to Clinton High School, and I know I've talked to you about this before. We actually played basketball against each other. Who who knew back in the back in the mid mid early to mid seventies? Talk about uh, sports because that was a big part of your your uh, your youth. It really was. Um, you know, my parents were teenagers when they were born. My father was orphaned when he was seven years old when his parents were killed in a railroad crossing accident, and. Um, Mother's family was very poor as well. We lived in some sketchy neighborhoods uh, for a while. And and in middle school, I have a next door neighbor who's a boy that was probably been in prison for most of the last 40 years. But my mother went to work for the university and she saw these kids getting their degrees and going on and doing, doing good things. And she decided she wanted that for me. 
And um, I had the good fortune to be a, a good athlete comparatively. And even at a large high school, uh, which it was literally brand new when I was a sophomore, right. yeah. uh, I was able to play four sports uh, and letter in them. And the first nine weeks, I, I came home with a report card with B's and C's, and I was happy. I, that made me eligible for the next, the next uh, grading period uh, to play my sports. And, um, you know, she sat me down and said, I'm sorry, this is not good enough. Uh, if you bring home anything uh, going forward less than a B on your report card, I'm declaring that you cannot play uh, oh. for the next semester. And so um, that got me uh, actually doing some studying rather than just getting by by showing up to class. Eventually made National Honor Society and and uh, went off to college. But she was using my my love and my abilities in sports to leverage me to work harder in school and be prepared to go on to IU. And I started out wanting to be a, a state trooper. And you, you were an IU police officer, right? Police officer. Yes. Uh, and I, I had a choice between it was, it boiled down to staying in Bloomington and going through this program that IU had where you could get your law enforcement training over the course of two summers, be a fully licensed police officer, work for IUPD part-time, go to school full-time, or go to the University of Evansville and play basketball. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And had I made that choice, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Plane uh, crash. Because I would have been on the plane that crashed uh, in 1977. Wow, that's right. I remember that. 77, ice, yeah. Ice on the wings. And, and the, I remember my mother calling me the next morning and very somber and saying, have you seen the paper? And I'm like, no, mom, I usually only read the paper on the weekends. You know, yeah. <laughs> students do. And then she told me and my heart just sunk. Oh yeah. And Gary, the, the, the eerie thing about that I mean, was for me personally having, you know, possibly have been on that plane, but also that there was one player that stayed home ill with the flu. And two weeks later he died in a car crash. Oh, wow. So I was well on my way to being a, a, applying and becoming a state trooper. But as I got into my senior year, I got into some tax and budgeting and, and public administration courses and got the bug there and ended up going on to graduate school and then uh, immediately being hired by the Legislative Services Agency, which is a nonpartisan support staff to the General Assembly. And uh Career took a totally different path. Yeah, and that and that passion, obviously, if you have a passion for public public oh. policy, right? I mean, that's that's something that 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 you really got at an early age, and it's carried you through uh, all these years. Yeah, it is. And the chamber has been the chamber presidency has been the optimal job for me uh, because I've, I get to lead an organization that is a major influencer in, in public policy all these years with a focus on making Indiana a better place for our, both our businesses and our, and our citizens. And uh, while I was working for the Senate, where I worked for, for nine years, um, I started and finished an MBA uh, with a concentration in corporate finance. And so I had this interest in, in business and in the business community and uh, to be you know, leading the state's top business organization on the public policy front, but also running a medium-sized company with 55 employees and all the headaches and joys uh, that come with that. Yeah. So you have the best of both worlds. Right, right. As you, as you talk about, and we talked earlier about change, 
over the course of your career, as you look at the legislature and legislators, do you think there's a different mindset from from legislators when it comes to economic development and doing things that 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 need to be done now to compete for these uh, you know big economic development deals? I mean, you know, they're being asked to you know approve incentive deals and extra money to land some of these mega deals and uh, technology certainly has changed that tech companies and attracting, keeping talent, tax policy around tech, all that stuff. Do you, do you think that the legislature, the state house, they, they get it? Uh, yeah, I think they do. And obviously in this past budget, they were very generous um, to the IEDC. They were right. very generous to uh, the communities around the state with the, the ready 2.0 appropriations to help them, uh, make themselves more attractive with quality of place initiatives. And, you know, and some of that's uh, going to meet uh, things like housing needs. I was talking or, or saw an article last week uh, talking about some companies that are taking matters into their own hands with respect to housing. And and one of the uh, individuals said this community hadn't had a new housing edition started since 1964. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, they're more responsive. The game has gotten more competitive uh, over the time that I've been around the state house. You know, when I when I walked into the state house for the first time for my interview at LSA in 1981, the term economic development hadn't even been coined. <laughs> wow! Yeah, it was really brought to our state by uh, then Lieutenant Governor John Mutz. Yep, and you know, it's it's just part of our everyday vernacular today. And, and what it means has grown and expanded. And I think Indiana has been a leader in that regard. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, good folks at the uh, IADC who sell the sandbox that, that mm-hmm. he and the, and the elected officials helped create. And um, certainly in the last two budget cycles, the General Assembly has been generous in providing the tools, updating the toolkit that both our local economic development folks and the IADC have to work with. So what's next for Kevin Brinegar in retirement? Uh, so you'll be uh, officially leaving uh, the first week in January of next year. Golf, uh, more golf. Now you're, hey, and I should let people know you're, you're a good golfer. You have not one, not two, but three holes in one and a double eagle, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty special. That was out of Bandon Dunes in, in, in Oregon. At that in Oregon, golf. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm living proof that lightning can strike uh, <laughs> the same place more than once. Multiple times, multiple, yeah. Uh, multiple times. So I enjoy that. Um, I have some oh, I said artificial knees and some other things that I'm not as good as I used to be, but um, maybe with some, some more time on task. So that, we have a home in Florida that my wife loves very, very much. But I'm also um, working on some other endeavors, teaching, executive and performance coaching uh, is something that I would see as a way to give back and help some, you know, younger uh, up and coming uh, managers and executives. Um, So um, working, working on that, I've got my uh, lawyer son is helping to set up the paperwork for a little consulting company. And then I have responsibilities uh, for the chamber for a whole nother year and and through an agreement that, was part of the succession planning. So um, I'll be available to help uh, our new president, Vanessa, and the staff here um, build and, and grow the chamber to and take it to even newer heights. 
Well, Kevin, it's been a real treat to, to catch up with you and uh, want to congratulate you uh, on a really great career that has had had real impact for Indiana. And uh, certainly I've valued uh, all these years, your your partnership and your friendship as well. Wish you nothing but the best. And I look forward to getting out on a golf course maybe with you here uh, before long, once, uh, once, things, once things slow down a bit. Let's, let's do that. And Gary, I've been so blessed to have gotten to know you. And, you know, we were one of your very original content partners um, yep. when your show was getting off the ground. Um, and now you've got every, anybody and everybody chasing after you wanting to, to get, uh, get on your show and, and in your newsletters. But um, I, I really value very, very deeply the friendship we've established and, and the partnership between the chamber and, uh, inside any other business and, and IBG Media. Kevin Brenniger, the outgoing uh, chamber, longtime uh, CEO of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Kevin, thank you again. And thank you uh, for joining us on this edition, this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.